you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. We'll take your Bibles, if you've got one there with you, and uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 to 7 and then kind of focus in on just a few of the verses there. Uh, Let's be honest with each other this morning. Celebrating Christmas with COVID, it stinks. I mean, Thanksgiving with Christmas was, was one thing. You know, we missed one meal with, uh, it was one gathering with, with family and friends. <clears throat> but Christmas, I mean, it goes all the way from Black Friday to December 25th. And it's getting darker outside, like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, by 6 p.m., it feels like it's midnight. And I know that's normal for this time of year, but it, it's, uh, it just feels and, and seems darker, doesn't it? Well, celebrating Christmas with COVID is going to force us to do what uh, we always try to do every year, and that is put Christ right in the middle of everything that we're doing. It's going to be different for sure. But the good news is this, that the story of Christmas is still the same. The promises of Christmas are still good. The hope, the joy, the love, the, the peace, the miracles, they're all still there if we'll look for them to be found by our hearts. And because of COVID, we might find them like we never have before. So let's read here in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read uh, verses 1 to 7 and to get, to get going. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today that we can read it and remind ourselves of all of the hope that it contains in it. We pray you, Holy Spirit, would stir in our hearts today that he would meet each need Wherever, wherever you are, that he would meet your need in your heart today. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're doing Christmas with COVID, um, but there is still hope. 
to be found. You know, hope is one of those tangible emotions that you really can't do life without. It is the attitude of the heart that what tomorrow is going to bring is better than what we're experiencing today. It's that part of us that lives in the future that has a profound effect on the present. Hope has a way of keeping our chin up and keeping us going and keeping our focus on God. Hope is just made for the darkness. Isaiah 9-2, it sure reads differently for us today. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So Isaiah, he is writing about a spiritual darkness that had overcome most of God's people. They had spent years um, participating in the occult practices of the surrounding nations, worshiping idols like Baal and ignoring God's messengers like Hosea. And now God's judgment is going to come upon them in the form of the Assyrians who will begin to overthrow um, their kingdom. Uh, he Really just beginning the execution of the curses of the covenant that they had agreed to with God. So what was going to happen is they were going to lose it all. They were going to lose their home. They were going to lose their national identity. They were going to lose their spiritual identity. Not being able to practice the things that they had done for so many years in the places that they had done them. All of that was going to be gone. But before it all happened, Isaiah gives them a message from God that light was on the way. Doesn't it feel like that we are walking around in darkness? I mean, we're living in the land of deep darkness with this COVID thing. The numbers keep uh, being scary, you know. And, and I heard this week that Indiana was like, maybe second in the nation in our infection rate. It's crazy. Most of us know uh, family or friends or somebody that's been infected with the virus. And so when we go out, when we go shopping for groceries at Meijer, or you know, when we go to work or wherever we go around people, it's almost like we can, we can feel the risk of getting sick. I was sitting down in the classroom uh, last Wednesday afternoon and I was working down there, and I couldn't believe how dark it was getting and how fast it was coming. So I kept looking at my watch, you know, uh, as I saw it getting dark, and it kept surprising me. I, the first time I looked, it was just 3.30, and then it was 3.45, and then it was 4 o'clock, and so I just stopped looking at it. And, I, and then the next time I looked at it, it was when the parking lot lights came on at the church, and, uh, and it was 5.30, <laughs> So it's, it just feels like it's getting dark, and, it, and you could feel it closing in. Uh, I could sure do that. Now, now winter is here with these cold temperatures. The election is still crazy. Uh, people are sick. Life isn't normal. It just feels like Christmas is ruined. What's the answer for all of this darkness? Hope. There's a school system in a large city that has this program that sends teachers into the hospital uh, to help students who are staying in the hospital not fall behind. So one day, the teacher who was assigned to the program at the hospital, she received a routine call from a teacher in the school to, to go and see this particular boy and to, and to help him with his lessons. Um, they talked just briefly. He got, she got the, the, the child's name and the room number, and then, and then the teacher at the school said, we're studying nouns and adverbs. Could you go and visit him? and kind of help him understand that so he doesn't fall too far behind. So the hospital teacher, she, 
she went uh, went that afternoon to see the boy, but but no one told her the, the shape that the boy was in. And so when she went into the room, she was taken aback by how badly he had been burned. And she had trouble having a conversation. She just kind of stammered out, I've been sent by your school to teach you about nouns and adverbs. And then she struggled to get the lesson out. And when she left, she just felt like she failed, like she didn't do anything at all. But the next day, a nurse came up to her and she asked, Hey, what did you do to that boy? Now, the teacher felt like she must have done something wrong, so she started to apologize. But the nurse said, No, no, you don't understand. We've been worried about that little boy. And ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back now. He's responding to treatment. It's, it's like he's decided to live. Well, a couple of weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope on life. And when that teacher arrived, it changed everything. He said, I realized they wouldn't send a teacher to teach somebody who was going to die, would they? That is the power of hope. That little boy's life, it was filled with darkness. He had no will to live, and who could blame him? When he caught the vision that somebody out there thought he was going to make it, and that he needed to learn something, that ignited hope in his heart, and the light started to dispel his darkness. So even though we're having trouble uh, thinking about celebrating Christmas with COVID, it is exactly the season that we need at this time for this present darkness. Because hope was made for the darkness. And we can find some if we go looking for it in the right place. If nouns and adverbs can bring hope to a little boy, what do you suppose the Christmas story can do for us in spite of COVID? The hope that we're looking for is found in the story of Christmas. It's all over the place. The message of the prophets, they, they proclaim hope. And the star in the sky, it, it communicates hope to anybody who would, who would look for it. And the angels' messages, they are filled with hope. One of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us, it, it uh, brings it to life. Now, there's a lot of places that we can go looking for hope. You know, we can, we can go looking for hope in a, in a vaccine for the virus. We can go looking for hope um, in, in who this next president's going to be. We can go looking for hope in the fact that we wear a mask or we stay away from people. Um, we, we, uh, we can go looking for hope in the weather forecast, you know, whether it, it looks like it's going to be warmer or it looks like it's going to be colder with precipitation. So we can look for hope in a lot of different places, but none of those places are going to give you a strong hope for the darkness that we're living in right now. You have to go looking in the story of Jesus' birth. So when you go back to guys like Isaiah and the promises God spoke through them, and then you fast forward to the fulfillment of those promises, that's when you find hope for this present darkness. When God gave that promise to Isaiah in chapter 9 there, the people were still living in darkness. They were still going, going to have to go through all of the stuff that, that was going to come on them, all of the curses. They were going to still have to lose everything. They were going to be thrown into exile. But God throws out this lifeline to them. 
a lifeline of hope, and they clung to it for all of those difficult days. And then hundreds of years later, in the days of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the people are still holding out hope that God was going to send their Messiah, just like he promised he would. And then hundreds of years after that, here we are, and we see how God has kept his promise and the way that he kept it. You know, Isaiah 7 uh, says that um, a virgin will be with child, and she will give birth, and he will be called Emmanuel, because God will be with us. And then Isaiah 9, 6 tells us that that child to be born was born to us. It was a son that was given to us. And Matthew and, and Luke, they give us the details of how Isaiah's words came true. And so when we see all of this in Jesus' story and we connect the dots with Isaiah's promises, that's a recipe. It's a recipe for hope. When our awesome God makes a promise and he's faithful to keep it, that's a recipe for hope. It's guaranteed. When he makes the promise, it's like he reaches down into our lives and he puts, a, puts his hands on our face and he looks at us in the face and he says, I see you. <clears throat> I know what's going on. Keep going. I'm coming. That's what his promises do to us. A number of years ago, some researchers did this experiment um, to see what kind of impact hope had on people going through hardship. And so they used two sets of laboratory rats. And they took one set and they set them in a tub of water and they just left them alone. And within an hour, all the rats had drowned. In the second set, they put them in a tub of water, but then they would periodically reach in and lift a rat out of the water and then put it back. That second set of rats, they swam around in the water for 24 hours. Why? Well, not because they were given a little rest along the way. No, because they were given hope. Somehow, those animals figured out that if they could stay afloat just a little bit longer, they believed someone would reach down and rescue them from their fate. Well, compared to God, I think it's okay for us to think of ourselves as rats. And here we are swimming around in this COVID darkness with a Christmas to celebrate. Each promise made in the Christmas story should give us a shot of hope because each promise made in the Christmas story, God has... Uh, now, if you think about it, God's promises are are not limited to just the Christmas story. And I wanted, I wanted to read a few of them today to you from, from his word because God is still making promises to us today. He makes them generally to us and he makes them personally to us, knowing each one of us and what we're going through. So here's a few of them. Uh, maybe one of them will be a shot of hope that you need today. John 16, 33. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Hebrews 12.11-13 says, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. 
But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Psalm 73, 23 and 24 says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. You know, those are better than any vaccine that you could get, any president you could have, any urine bonus or snow that we could have during this season. The Christmas story is full of hope. If we will go there again this year, we will find it. And it will keep us swimming around in this present darkness, even if you are a rat. All right, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It, it ends with some pretty remarkable names for this child who has been born to us. And <clears throat> so I can confidently tell you, because of what Isaiah says here, that hope is secure in the baby. Hope is secure in the baby. Listen to these names. He will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now think about those people who first heard that um, when when the promise was, was just being made. They are living in a time of confusion. They don't understand what's going on. And they're told here, a wonderful counselor is on the way. They are being overpowered by their enemies, but a mighty God... He's going to defend them. God seems absent in their circumstances, but they're told here, He's not gone. He's an everlasting Father, and He's coming your way. Peace, for them, was just an illusion. It was a a faint memory. But here, the ruler of peace was headed in their direction. And then verse 7, it lays it on them even thicker. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice, from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. So that child's government, it was not ever going to be able to be overthrown. And that peace that it brings was never going to end. The child will reign on David's throne, and that was a hint that this was God's Messiah that Isaiah is telling them about. And that every wrong done to the people was going to be made right because he would be the perfect, perfectly just and perfectly righteous ruler. Now to them... That was a promise made. To us, that is a promise kept. And so we can yes and amen, verse 7, the way it ends, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. (laughs) The hope that we get from the Christmas story, it is not a fragile hope. Even though God came in the form of a helpless human child, all of these things described of him are true and they are not in danger of ever being true, proved false. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Jesus is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is a king and his kingdom is coming. It is on the way. It is, it is coming in, right now in the hearts of mankind as we believe in him and we grow in him. But when the time is right, it will come in all of its fullness. We have God's guarantee when we see the baby lying in a manger. We have God's guarantee. I mean, if God's passionate commitment 
made that happen and that led to his son dying on a Roman cross for our sins so that we can have life? How strong of a hope, how strong should our hope be in, the, in that passionate commitment extending on to Jesus' second advent when he brings his kingdom in all its fullness as the victorious one riding on a white horse? How strong should our hope be? We are celebrating Christmas with COVID. And it's messing everything up. <laughs> How important is our worship gatherings during Christmas? And here we are today, not able to gather. We have plans on our calendars that we may not, may or may not be able to do. We have Christmas traditions that are at risk of being broken. So you could say that Christmas with COVID is not Christmas at all. But I wanted to be the one to remind you today that really Christmas isn't about all that. And the only way Christmas wouldn't be is if we lost sight of Christ. We are going to have a different kind of Christmas with COVID. But if we have Jesus, make no mistake, we are going to have Christmas. It is, it is the story of God's love sent down to us in human form for the sole purpose of Him dying our death so we could have His life. So brothers and sisters, Christmas is exactly what we need during this present darkness. We just have to be reminded and we just have to remember who it is who we are celebrating. And if we do that, there is hope to be found. There are two water towers that always served as landmarks for travelers that were heading to Wakanda, Illinois, especially at Christmas. More than 40 years ago, John Huster, then the village chief of police, suggested mounting uh, on their two twin uh, water towers two large crosses uh, up in the sky. And so when the, all the Christmas decorations came, up, came out and went on after Thanksgiving, the crosses went up. Um, and they stayed up there all during the Christmas season. But in 1989, Robert Sherman, spokesman of the American Atheist, he heard about the crosses, and since they were on government property, he saw a violation of church and state. And so he delivered to the town an ultimatum, remove the crosses or I will see you in court. Well, the town, they united together against this threat and they said, you know, they just refused to let somebody from the outside tell them how to celebrate their Christmas. But ultimately, the decision was forced by economics. The residents of Wakanda, they opted not to burden themselves with the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they would have to, to, to burn to, to fight this legal battle that had already been lost in similar cases around the nation. But something unexpected happened. And resident Rosemary Buschick, she explained, the meeting about the crosses was on a Tuesday night. And we knew when it was over that they would have to come down. Then my husband Chuck went to the back room of our shop and he constructed a window-sized cross, put lights on it to display the next day. Will Shoemaker, who had a home appliance store on Main Street, he did the same thing. Within weeks, crosses were appearing all over town on houses everywhere, up on antennas, stuck in yards, beaming from trees, shining through windows, and it just seemed to happen. 
When Joyce Mitchell drove around the village with her two daughters, then six and nine years old, she began to cry. She said, the media portrayed this as a loss, but we didn't lose. Two crosses had been replaced by hundreds of crosses, and God was glorified in the end. No one is going to tell us to take our crosses down. So we've got a fight on our hands this Christmas. And that fight is this, that every time we feel the twinge of disappointment because we cancel something else on the calendar, we need to run to the manger and remind ourselves that there is a strong hope to be found because that baby is, was sent to die for us. No one can tell us to cancel Jesus from our Christmases. And if we have him, we have everything. Hey, let's spend a little time in prayer as we close our time together. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for this season of Advent. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to, to find Jesus right in the middle of our Christmas celebrations um, and make him really what it's all about. And as we look back at this story and, and the way that you told your people about the way it was going to come about, and then we see that it happened, Lord. I pray that that stirs a hope in us as we hear your voice speak to us about our lives today and about um, how you're coming and how you're going to show up in our own lives. So thank you for being the awesome God that you are. Thank you for being the promise keeper that you are. And I pray your Holy Spirit would stir hope, and as your word says, that we would be prisoners of hope because we know you. So Lord, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Send us out into this world to shine your light in this dark world. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace.